0: It wasn't cold or raining. It was a beautiful Saturday morning the day little Mandy Dutton went missing. Several people came together to look for her in the woods behind the Dutton house. Daniel Dutton was frantic. His daughter had been playing chase, hide-and-seek, and other games with all of her imaginary friends as he chopped wood that Saturday morning. And around lunchtime, he gathered up his tools and looked for Mandy, but she was gone. He searched everywhere, could not find her. Finally, he ran into the house to call for help to find his little girl. The whole neighborhood showed up. They called her name. They whistled for her, thrashing through the underbrush, trying to find her. The search seemed to be endless. Daniel was paralyzed with fear. Where could she be? The worst that could happen began to torment his mind. His hopes were fading away with each passing hour. He could not imagine going on with life without hearing her giggle or feeling her cradled in his arms. He fell to the floor. He raised his hands toward heaven, and he prayed, God, only you know where she is. Please keep her safe till we find her. Help her to feel your sheltering arms around her until she is safely in mine. Finally, somebody shouted, over here. Daniel scrambled to his feet and ran like the wind in the direction of the shout. He ran with all his might until he came to a small clearing, and what he saw was amazing. In the middle of a small patch of grass was little Mandy, cradled next to a little lamb separated from his mother. The lamb raised his head and bleated and then reached down and nuzzled the crying little girl, nestled safely against the warmth of the lamb's body. The lamb seemed to know the little girl was lost, and the lamb seemed to know that her situation was much more urgent than him finding his own mother. Daniel ran over, scooped up the lamb, scooped up his daughter in one big hug, and with tears streaming down his face, Daniel whispered, Don't worry, little lamb. We'll find your mother. For now, I'm thanking God for sending you to help find my little girl. Sweet story. And we're going to hear another sweet story about another little lamb who was lost. But thank God, the shepherd found him. Sorry, spoiled the ending for you. We're going to hear that Hey, good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. So glad you're with me. Today's episode stems from a lesson entitled, The Parable of the Lost Sheep. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you're probably not surprised to know that comes from Luke 15, verse 7. Jesus said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Jesus looked his audience over and he began the lesson by asking a simple question. What man of you, having an hundred sheep? And he lost some of the audience because some of them dreamed of being rich enough to own a hundred sheep. But he continued. If he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Luke 15 verse 4. Jesus knew his audience. They may have been men he had already met, or maybe he had a word of knowledge because he was God. He already knew exactly who was in the crowd. Whichever the case, Jesus knew his relevant story would resonate with them. They were well aware of a shepherd's relationship with his flock. This would be the perfect object lesson for Jesus to show how deeply the good shepherd loves each of his sheep. The parable of the lost sheep is a beautiful example of God's great love for us. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's willing to leave 99 of his treasured sheep with neighboring helpers, make sure they're safe. So he himself will go into the rugged dangers of the darkness in the wilderness to find one lost sheep. And when he finds the sheep, he gently lifts the sheep onto his shoulders and carries the sheep safely home. Those who came to listen to Jesus teach were not only followers, Some of them were sinners and unbelievers. He was not just preaching to the choir. The audience Jesus ministered to was diverse. Some were self-righteous religious leaders with their starched robes and their arms folded. And they were there to find fault and judge others as they looked at them with their stark stares. We don't know who's going to show up at church. But here's the beauty. It really doesn't matter. The gospel is for all. Regardless of anyone's past, the gospel is for all. It's amazing how many different people can hear the same sermon and take away a different message. Many people would declare they received something that spoke to them personally because God's word can reach diverse needs in one congregation from one sermon in many different ways. The crowd that followed Jesus was filled with acknowledged self-admitted sinners as well as self-righteous people who didn't think they were sinners, but they were. But they were more than willing to flaunt their good works for God with boxes of scripture strapped to their foreheads and other obvious signs that they were glorifying their own righteousness. But Jesus did not turn them away. He preached to them. He taught them. His spirit even convicted them. But he did not turn them away. Because maybe he thought this would be the day they would come to understand that a good shepherd loves his sheep no matter who they are, or aren't. This story, scribed in Scripture, demonstrates that God loves every one of us. He doesn't consider the baggage of our past as a deterrent to His love. Our past does not repel God. It actually attracts Him to us because He knows He's the only one who can forgive us of our sin and heal us of our pain. His grace indiscriminately draws everyone to Him. No matter how deep in sin a person might be, God reaches to the lowest depths to lift that person up. We sang a song when I was growing up. We still sing it from time to time. It reaches to the highest mountain. Oh, oh, oh. You're so very welcome. No, 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 please, please. No more applause. It's causing me to be proud. And it continues, and it flows to the lowest valley. This blood of Jesus Christ is for all those who are up and out, and for all those who are down and out, his grace reaches to the high, reaches to the low. It doesn't matter how hateful somebody is toward God or how many times they have raised an angry fist toward heaven and declared, God doesn't exist. There is no God. I am God. God still loves them. God still draws them, everyone to himself. If you don't believe me, see John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I in the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to come to the Father, you got to come through me. But if you come through me, I promise I will show you the Father. God loves everybody with the same passion. There's a popular quote showing up on social media that reads, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. In fact, There's a great book by one of my favorite authors. His name is Max Lucado. The book is called Just Like Jesus, and in it, he continually quotes. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. We would simply say he wants you to be just like him. We could try, but I promise we will never fully understand the grace of God any more than we can understand the greatness of God and how amazing and awesome he is. That knowledge is reserved for when we get to heaven, when we all get to heaven. See, I'm in a singing kind of mood today, but we can understand no matter where we find ourselves, if we are estranged without God, if we have run from him, if we are far from him, he will look for us. The story of the lost sheep teaches the shepherd will look for the lost. He will give us the opportunity to take his hand and allow him to lift us up onto his shoulders into a relationship with him. If we've ever been in a relationship and we walked away, he will bring us back. If we've never been in a relationship, but we want to know him, he will lift us up into that relationship with him. He never gives up. It's not his will that anyone, not even one, would perish. The message in this parable Assures us that Jesus loves each one of us, not just the best of us. He loves the worst of us. He loves every one of us. We can say with confidence, Jesus loves me. I am cherished by Him. He knows my name. He sees my heart. He knows what lies in the deepest, darkest corners. And yet, here's the miracle He still loves us. He he knows our intentions. He knows our past. He knows our present. He certainly knows our future. He knows our impassioned desires. He knows whether our motives are right or our motives are wrong. And even though he knows us, he still loves us. Nothing will separate us from him. We'll have moments we question God. We don't understand him. We might even have moments we fight against him or even turn away from him. But he's not going anywhere. If we find ourselves far from God, it's not because he moved. It's because we did. But as soon as we reach for him, he is there. Paul wrote in Romans 8, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God for his love. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been lost and felt the hand of God drawing you back into the fold? Whenever sheep wander away from safety, they don't lose their identity. They might be lost, but they're still sheep. They still look like a sheep. They still smell like a sheep. They're still sheep. They still belong to the same fold where they wandered from, and they still belong to the same shepherd. And when the shepherd oversees the flock, he might notice one sheep is wandering away from the rest of the group, maybe just following some fresh green grass to nibble on, or maybe it became spooked from a wolf or a lion or just a, a roar or growl. So started running away from imagined danger. And without realizing the sheep is separated from the rest of the flock. If the shepherd doesn't see the sheep wandering away, the sheep can get separated and travel a long way from the safety of the fold before the shepherd ever realizes the sheep is missing. It grieves us when people walk away from God. There may be times we just get busy or we are just tied up in our own lives. And all of a sudden, we look around the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and say, you know what? I haven't seen them in a few weeks. And they've wandered away. Maybe following the temptation of this world, maybe they got hurt. Maybe they got offended. Maybe they misunderstood. Maybe they were disillusioned. Maybe others in their lives will not allow them to come back to church. For whatever reason, they were there, they're not there, and so they're missing. The brothers and sisters left behind in a loving church will never give up praying for them. They're still part of the family of God. Prayers will still go up to God for them. It's sad for us to see them walk away, but how much greater is God's grief for them? It's sad for us. Imagine what it does to him. He's not willing that any would perish. No matter the reason people stray from God, he will always go to great lengths to bring them back into the safety of the fold. Let me ask you another question, and I think this is one we really need to think about. What are things that lure people away from God? I mentioned just a few. Some people get disappointed or disillusioned with God. He didn't answer like they thought he should, so they feel like they can't trust him. Maybe they got offended or hurt by something somebody said or did not say that they hoped they would. Maybe they live in a home or they rely on transportation from somebody who just refuses to bring them back to church and they, for whatever reason, can't make it back. Maybe they're grieving. Maybe they're mad. Maybe they did get lured away by temptation and they followed after sin instead of following after Jesus. Whatever it is, things will lure people away from God, but the beauty is he's looking for them. It might seem incredulous that a shepherd would purchase a replacement sheep for one lost. A new sheep doesn't have the history with the shepherd like the one that wandered away. The relationship between the sheep and the shepherd enhances the value of the lost sheep. It's not good enough to just go buy another sheep. Go raise another sheep. It's not that we had 100 sheep. So we had these 100 sheep. That sheep is part of a community. The time the shepherd has spent with the sheep is invaluable. And to the shepherd, that sheep is valued as much as all the others. The one lost is irreplaceable to the shepherd, and it's worth all the time and all the effort put into searching for it. If you are one of the lost sheep, would you please hear me today? You are irreplaceable. It doesn't matter if somebody has already taken your parking spot and your seat in the sanctuary, you, your soul, you are irreplaceable. We can't just find another one, have another teacher, have another student, have another person, have another one sitting on that row. God places immense value on you, not just a number, on you. He knows your name. Thank God for that. God doesn't replace us with another Whenever we wander away from him, he loves us and he compels us to keep coming back. What an amazing God we serve. Have you ever felt replaceable at work, at school, maybe even at home? And how did that make you feel? It's one thing to be replaced at work. Somebody else can do the job. It's another thing to be replaced at school. Somebody else can sit in that desk or maybe teach that class. But at home, that hurts. That hurts. If you're replaced as a father or a husband or a mother or a wife or a sister or brother, for whatever reason, however that happens, that hurts. But we cannot be replaced when it comes to the kingdom of God. Somebody else may do our job, but nobody else has our soul. Jesus loves us corporately and individually. God told Jeremiah he had plans for him even before he was born. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Because God sees the beginning of our lives. He sees even before birth. Before we had any knowledge of who Jesus is, he was already making plans to be in relationship with us. Before we even knew him, he was coming for us. It's the greatest love story of all time. When God prepared a body for himself and came to earth as Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh. And when Jesus finished his work here, he allowed himself to be crucified for our sins, He allowed himself. He was not caught. He was not captured. He was not tricked. He was not trapped. He surrendered his own life while we were yet sinners. Paul wrote this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. It's hard for us to really imagine how deeply God loves us. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he said, Go ahead, do your best. Try to understand the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of God. Go ahead, knock yourself out. And if you do that, you'll probably knock yourself out. Another question Think of a time you felt God's everlasting love surround you. The one lost sheep was so valued by the shepherd, he rejoiced when the sheep was found. He knew the 99 were safe, they were good. He didn't need to celebrate them as he celebrated the one who was found. The lost sheep could have been lost forever. In fact, something could have happened that could have taken that sheep's life. A, a wolf, a lion, a bear, a tiger. Oh, I. So the celebration was in order because fortunately, thankfully, the lost sheep was found. It is a joy to see somebody come to Jesus Christ and they find everlasting life. But it's human nature to watch that with skepticism. We analyze everything because God gave us intelligence. And with that in mind, we have to be very careful not to move from skepticism to judgmental. God's word warns us not to be conformed to this world to let God transform our minds. Let's see things through his lens. We can make more eternal focused assessments and know that it is his first priority to save every soul. He doesn't want one single soul to perish. I think we've pretty much learned that by now. No matter how many times people come to the altar, ask for forgiveness, and walk away into their old lives, God will meet them again. God will forgive them again. My pastor said the hardest part of pastoring, and you could apply this to teaching or just simply being a Christian, the hardest part is knowing people's story, knowing how many times people have walked in, walked out, walked in, walked out, and then the next time they repent, believing that this time they're going to stay, this is going to take The Spirit of God is strong enough to keep them from temptation. That's part of the hardest part. And yet God is there every time to forgive, to help, to restore us so we can be more like Him. Thank God for His mercy. No wonder Scripture says there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Let's join heaven. Every time we see somebody return to God, No matter how long they've been away, no matter where they went, no matter what they've done, let's rejoice. Let's join with heaven and let's bring joy on earth to see somebody return to God. Our celebration one day might be the encouragement they need to move into a new life following Jesus Christ. Maybe the assurance that the family of God is authentic, trustworthy, safe, loving is all a lost sheep needs to stay close and never stray away again. Last question, what are some ways we can reach out to those who have strayed away from God to let them know they are loved not only by God, but also by us? And with that, we wrap this up. We walked into the large auditorium and found a seat in an area that was strangely vacant. Immediately, the reason became apparent. Something was fragrantly amuck. Just to put that in colloquial terms... Ooh, something done stank. We looked around to see where the stench came from, and a few rows ahead of us sat a person with long, matted dreadlocks. The congregation was invited to stand and We could see his pants were baggy and dirty, and suddenly the smell became even more pungent. We found our culprit. Enthused, he stood several times, clapped his hands to the upbeat music the choir was singing, even through a toothless grin in the direction of the people nearest by him. However, they were getting further and further away from him. He waved his arms back and forth as people responded to the presence of God, completely oblivious to why he was a single guest in the second section of pews. He was in his own little world responding to the Spirit of God. We didn't know anything about him, except he didn't smell good. He didn't look good. He sat in the fifth row, second section. We only knew he found his way to church, to a church that loved truth, that loved holiness, that loved souls. When the pastor invited people to come who wanted to know Jesus Christ, our fragrant friend found his way to the aisle and walked barefoot down to the front. And all of a sudden, the smell didn't matter anymore. Several men gathered around him and began to pray for him. And with his hands lifted high and armpits aerating the entire area, this weary, hurting, broken soul found Jesus Christ. He began speaking in tongues as he prayed. He began jumping up and down, waving his arms back and forth. And the men praying for him never wavered. Their eyes probably watered, but they never wavered. We choose to believe they were weeping with joy because another precious lost sheep had been found. I'd like us to pray for God to help us to be patient with the lost and love them back into the fold. And for God to help us to be grateful. He never gives up on us. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, thank you. You never give up. You are so patient, long-suffering. You forbear with us, and we thank you for that. I pray today, God, help us to be patient with the lost, those in our world, those who have wandered away from you. For whatever reason, God, help us to be patient with them. Help us to love them back into the fold, back into relationship with you. Help us, Jesus, to care for them. I pray today you administer to all of us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for never giving up on us. God, send us people. This weekend, send people back to you who want to be back in relationship with you. Send us people, Lord, who want to know you, and we will love them and pray for them and care for them and help disciple them back to health, back to safety. We thank you for what you're going to do in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, never miss an episode, and also share with others so they don't have to miss an episode either. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com and get some great God's Word for Life curriculum resources. We're not far away from launching the winter curriculum here in 23, which is unbelievable where winter is almost here, so we'll be launching that fairly soon. So be watching for that, God's Word for Life on PentecostalPublishing.com. You can get some great resources there, and a brand new podcast is about to launch fully. We've had some issues, but I think we're getting all the way through those. The Formed Podcast will be on our YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and search for Pentecostal Publishing House, you will find a pilot episode, and then further, very soon, you'll find an episode with our very first trainer-teacher, Katie Collins, and I'm excited about that. That is Training Teachers in the Local Church. So if you are a teacher, go to YouTube, find it on Pentecostal Publishing House, and you will see our The Formed podcast, Training Teachers in the Local Church. Thanks so much, podcast listeners. Next week, we continue this series of the parables. I love the parables. And we will go into another one in Matthew 20, the parable of the laborers. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out